What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right, we're back on We Want Winners right as the new season begins on the screen over by me as, I, as we're recording this. I have the uh, Thursday night game, the season opener. Rod, you have all your fantasy teams set up and everything? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the, the thing on these Thursday night games. Like, I, I, There's going to be at least three or four games this year where on Thursday – at the last second, I'm going to remember that I didn't switch my lineup for Thursdays. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, before we actually get into talking about the 49ers, talking about Nick Bosa, talking about the new season, uh, how was your trip? It was excellent. It, I, got, I've, I was telling my dad when, I, when he picked me up, um, I don't know what I, I, I purposely – didn't do a whole lot of research about um, Tanzania, um, and I wanted to be surprised, and I was. It was delightful um, all the way through, everything, the people, um, the scenery, the food. It was all just wonderful. And then um, so I did a um, – we went on a safari, and that was great. We saw – the big five, which is we actually saw a rhino on the last day, which is like oh, one of the, the hardest ones to get. Um, and we saw that. So that was great. Then we went to Zanzibar. Um, the beaches there, beautiful, um, really, really opulent. It was great. And then um, yesterday I spent the day in Istanbul and that was wild. Um, you've got this, you know, hundreds of year old i mean ancient city really istanbul is an ancient city um yet um you've got all these modern skyscrapers and whatnot and that um that that juxtaposition was just like that's something that has always fascinated me you know here in the united states we have very few cities like that where um you can look back three four hundred years and know that at this spot right here you know, something was happening. You know, I grew up here in the Bay Area and then a lot of time in Las Vegas and anything that's 25 years old is getting bulldozed and, yeah. and um, put up, putting up something new. But um, it was really cool to like see this 500 year old mosque next to this ultra modern um, skyscraper. Um, so it was it was just a wonderful educational recharging trip but i'm glad to be back with you guys talking 49er football well you know it's amazing what you just said is amazing but also the fact that you could be in istanbul yesterday and be back home and be on a podcast <laughs> right <laughs> to me <laughs> that's crazy oh uh, yeah halfway around the world oh and my gosh here to talk 49er football i'm actually surprised you're as alert as you seem to be that oh, yeah that I, i'm wipe me out yeah, I'm I'm one who does not have a problem sleeping on airplanes. So mm. I I slept. It was a 12-hour flight back here from Istanbul to SFO, and I slept for a good half of it. Oh, nice! Um, there was this this one baby that was next to me. He like cried the entire time. I was um, I was you know I was first angry and then like really impressed with his stamina. I mean, he <laughs> literally cried for 12 hours. Oh man. That's <laughs> so, tough. That's tough. Yeah, Poor, poor mom. Poor, but, um, yeah, yeah. Poor kid. Poor mom. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we, we buried the whole lead of the podcast here because Nick Bosa has signed Woo! his new deal. And that means the 49ers are ready to go. The Trey Lance situation is fully behind them now. The, not that Trey himself 
was a distraction, but just the idea that this third pick in the draft is kind of hanging over your head as a team, and they decided to find a place for him to go. And according to uh, some of the, I think it was Barrows, I guess Shanahan and Lynch kind of was like, hey, you know, you're going to be the third guy, and we're fine with you being the third guy, but Trey wanted out. And good for him because being the third guy on this team, um, he, Trey was just going to be playing a lot of scout quarterback in practice. And hopefully, even though I don't want to see him on the field with Dallas, and 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 if if they we see a lot of Trey in Dallas, and that means that Dak's season may have ended prematurely. So not sure about that. But overall, that is over. The Bosa thing is over. They're ready to go. They open up. This Sunday, and a little bit of a, I don't want to say this is a, a trap game or anything, but I think the Steelers might be a little bit better than 49er fans think that they are heading into Pittsburgh, 10 o'clock game. I think it's going to be a really tough, tough game there. And, uh, and so I'm excited for that. But I guess let's just start with Nick. Uh, we, we were in the discord all week saying, you know, what's going to happen? When is this thing going to happen? Is it, or do the Niners have the money? Blah, 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 blah. So they did it. And from what it looks like now, we don't have all of the details on the contract, but, uh, for this season, um, he has a base salary of 18.9. The overall signing bonus was 50 million, uh, five years. 170. The thing that we don't know is how the guarantee breaks down. Uh, it looks to be about 75% or so, maybe a little bit less than that, is guaranteed. So 122 million is guaranteed for him. So we're talking about this is quarterback money for one Nick Bosa here, and the Niners are investing in him really thoroughly. And, you know, honestly, the reason why they can do this, and it doesn't really happen any other way is the fact that they have the last pick in last year's draft as the starting quarterback, and he doesn't have to be extended anytime in the, in the near future. And then the one guy who, who as a rookie, who did take up a lot of the, the cap for a rookie, he's now shipped off. So I, I think with those two things, it enabled them to, to do this deal. But, uh, you know, I, I, this is like, uh, I, think, I think most teams in the NFL have short windows until you sort of, figure out ways to move people and bring new people in. You remember when uh, uh, after the, the, the Super Bowl year in uh, against uh, the Chiefs in, in 19, uh, Buckner had to go because they just couldn't afford his new contract. And so do you look at it the same way as me, which is like we got a two-year window and we got a we had to have like some really, really lucky injury years, but they really need to take advantage of these two years and, and just to go for it. They just got to go for it. This is like next two years is like Super Bowl or bust for them. I think. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they were able to, to dodge a short term bullet because now with, with what they did with the other two contract um, renegotiations, um, moving that money forward, um this year next year we should be pretty good um and then you know 25 they're going to be decisions that need to be made like you say so yeah i think this year and next year really are um you know in terms of this window you know every year is kind of super bowl or bust i guess but for this particular team as currently constructed um, it's, it really starts to get funky after twenty after next season. So um, definitely, uh, the they we are in a a win now mode. If we if we weren't before, we definitely are now. Um, I'm really shocked, honestly, that they. This is the kind of money that I kind of thought that Nick was looking for, but I I didn't think that the Niners would go this you know do a deal like this for this kind of money for this length of time i thought if he got the money he was looking for he would get it on a shorter term deal Mm -hmm. but um they you know they they stepped up and um the guarantee is what is really um is is really kind of staggering actually 
that's a, a you know it's it's unprecedented for a defensive player to get that much guaranteed money um so kudos to them for um biting for stepping up and doing that and i for one think it's absolutely the right move to make um you want to lock this dude up throughout his prime and i would not have wanted to be in the business of giving him like a three-year deal and then redoing this with a 28 year old nick bosa i you know i wouldn't but um i kind of thought you know from a cash standpoint that might be where they would end up but now he's here with us um through 29 um through year 2029 um which is he's at age 32 at that point so we've got him locked up you know throughout his prime now we we still don't really know as you said how the guarantee shakes out and then when um you know if there are outs and places where you know they can get out of this deal you know we don't we don't have any idea what that looks like but it kind of looks like he's going to be here at least you know like you say for the short short term future he's definitely going to be here so um that's that's good for him and good for the Niners I think yeah absolutely and you know like I said this right now and I would I wonder now I I don't know if Shanahan and Lynch think about it this way but you know the whole goal is to take shots and have a chance and be you know on, on the list of uh, you know, several teams who actually have a chance in the NFL. It's a little bit different because it's a one game, you know, elimination essentially. And so, you know, any, you know, you see teams who uh, shouldn't have really any business beating a top team and they, and they can, and then they advance. And, and that's the way the, that's why the NFL is King. Just, just that possibility uh, to happen. So, but I do wonder, you think Lynch and Shanahan, look at this from the pressure standpoint the same way in that we got two years to really get over the hump and win this title because we heard whispers last year before last year that Lynch was thinking about, you know, going to TV. And it sounds like his reasoning for sticking around is because they hadn't toppled the mountain yet like that's he he really thinks that this team has a shot at doing that so he stuck around and he's still here Shanahan kind of you know Shanahan is the coach version of, of Steve Young I think and and here's why here's why I say that because of that Super Bowl against New England where he was the offensive coordinator he's kind of got this monkey on his back as far as can he win the big one and I think some of the national media probably cares a little bit more about that than we do because we've seen some really, really good teams. And I don't think, you know, you, I guess you could say the, the Chiefs Super Bowl, they did have the lead. Uh, some of that was, was QB play, uh, I think. Uh, but the idea that these guys have like a two-year window of, of the – like of a great chance. Like I, I do. I wonder if they feel that pressure that th it's like this year and next year are like just the, the best opportunities to do it. I would think that two ways that one, of course, I, I, I think they're smart guys and they know they've been around and, you know, they've all, they've both been a part of really good teams and they know, I would imagine that they know that this is kind of a special team and that, you know, to think that it's going to always be like this, or they're going to always have this kind of collection of talent, just from a cap standpoint, having this collection of talent is hard to do in um, today's NFL to, you know, what they have, I think it was like, eight of the top 100 players on this team, something like that, seven or eight, um, which was by far the most in the league. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it is kind of imperative they get it done now. But also, I don't know about Lynch more so. I, I would think Lynch more so 
then Shanahan, I think Shanahan's a lifer. I, I don't I don't foresee. I mean, I think that even if he washes out here, he's going to be doing this for a while. It's, Shan- it's Lynch that seems to have options in terms of TV and other stuff that he could do that if, you know, he gets tired of the um, – seems like there's he's got – easier ways to make money than um you know dealing with the nonsense that goes along with running the team um but i, I you know I, but shanahan I, I don't you know i don't see him being a t a talking head on no TV. i don't think so either <laughs> i think i think he's gonna be coaching coach he's gonna be a ball coach you know for his own and he's you know that's the thing that it's kind of frustrating me when you talk about people, him and him not being able to give it a hump. He's like 43 years old. I mean, he's, I mean, he's super young. Yeah. He started super young. So, um, I, I just think, you know, who knows, you know, he could be a Dick Vermeil type or a John Madden type and, and, and quit early, but I, I just don't see it. I, think I mean, just look at his pops. Yeah. I think he's going to be in it for a long, long time, but that doesn't. So, so I, I would hope that they both kind of have a long-term perspective that, I mean, while you want to seize the moment and it's like, you know, especially with a team like this, that, that with the collection of talent, you want to win now. But, I mean, it's not like if you don't win it, it's like all – I wouldn't be, you know, sitting here right now but on the eve of this season if – it's another NFC championship. I wouldn't, I'm not of the camp that says that we should blow everything up at this point. I think it's, I I think as long as we are continuing to get better and we continue to see improvement, um, I, I, I just think you just, you just ride it out. But, you know, obviously that would, you know, sitting here, as I sit here now, if we're in February and we, don't make it to the Super Bowl, that would be pretty disappointing. It would obviously depend on why we didn't make it. You yeah. know, if it's a slew of injuries or something like that, um, that's different. But, um, yeah, this is a team that you would expect to be playing in Feb- in Las Vegas in February, I would think. Do you sense that – uh Shanahan so okay so I kind of want to go back to what you were saying about you know blow it up or whatever a previous version of this franchise run by uh Eddie and Carmen uh would probably think a little bit differently right if you know Bill Walsh kind of got uh he didn't get shown the door but there was so much pressure on him that he needed some time off even after winning a Super Bowl and the pressure was so high and I agree with you, though, I do wonder if Jed sees it as I got to I got to get one like I really got to get one for this franchise as an owner. Uh, it, it it will be better for the overall value of that franchise, too, because we, we've talked about it before. Jed is not one of the richest owners in the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, he has he has also made some really terrible mistakes in the past. Now he seems to be uh, way more accustomed to you know sort of thinking these things through and using a bunch of really smart people to help him. Like I, you know, I, he's made some questionable, questionable mistakes in the past, but not mm-hmm. really of late. I just I, I do wonder from that standpoint though is, you know, his uncle is is pressing. You know the the smartest mind in the history of the NFL for not winning championships when he thought he had the roster there. And if you're Jed and you're like, "All right, guys, look at this roster." You said the NFL top 100. Uh, I listen to Bill Simmons and he does this like sort of subjective player rating, and he's like, "The 49ers have the best the best overall team based on that." And if you're Jed, you're like, "Look, we put it out there. We spent the money. It's out there." And if we don't win it, then what do you think he says? Yeah, the, my my question is, you know, as you know, as we we do, we play this game a lot as sports fans. When we say, you know, in all aspects, when you say, well, this guy, you know, this top ten shouldn't be this, or whatever it is, the sports argument is. My question always is, okay. What so if we fire Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, 
who is the the person that we're going to bring in to replace them and i don't see anybody just that is just out there that just jumps out at me and says well that would be an obvious upgrade um like for example if we had fired if, if we did it last season and sean payton is somebody like sean payton is out there then okay if you want to tell me that you're going to fire those two guys and you're going to bring in sean payton to um run the show okay i mean that's fine he's got a track record um of in, you know but some people in new orleans will say he didn't maximize drew Brees. um so look i mean i i just think it's a, it's a winning championships is a tough business and you know the example i use a lot is andy reed you know they ran him out on a mm-hmm. rail in philly um because he couldn't win the big one and then you know he goes to kansas city and the rest is history um so again i just i it doesn't it i don't know that sometimes that is the answer we saw here as warriors fans yeah um moving on from mark jackson seemed to be for a lot of reasons the exact right move um so it i you can go both ways with it um it's just that you know i think we're in a unique situation where everybody wants kyle shanahan or a part of the kyle shanahan offense um and you've got kyle shanahan so do you fire him to bring in somebody else to run the Kyle Shanahan offense, or do you just fire him and punt and go in completely a completely different direction? That that would be my question. Is I would hate for it to be just to like get rid of him, just you know, change for the sake of change, um, without any definitive plan on how you're going to move forward and how that moving forward isn't just um spinning our wheels and doing it just for the sake of doing it i think they've done some those guys have you know we could look at some of their first round picks or whatnot but overall i think they've done a great job especially when you go back and look at where the franchise was when they took it over in 2017 and the level of success that we've had over the past five seasons it's hard to argue that they've done a great job. I mean, you could question the quarterback situation. You could question not drafting Mahomes or Watson. I mean, there are a lot of things, but but my argument has been for all of those things that name me the franchise that you can't go back and look at decisions that they've made in hindsight and say, well, they should have done this instead of that. And well, that looks, and that looks stupid, you know, three years down the road, but yeah. in the moment, all you can, I'm a, I'm a process over result kind of guy. And I have a hard time questioning their process with the, with the possible exception of the whole tray thing. Um, it seems like their process has worked out pretty well. Um, when you look at their drafting w- overall, you know, like I say, the, the higher picks haven't hit, but then they've, hit some of the later ones they've they've hit home runs with some of the later ones so overall you know the drafting situation is it's a lot of um art over science there's nobody has the answer you know that this is exactly how you do it in terms of draft picks it's all kind of subjective um but yeah i think they've done a good job and i wouldn't you know again it depends on how the year plays out but i have a hard time foreseeing a set of circumstances that would have me sitting at the end of the season saying, yeah, we need to get rid of these guys. It would seem like just based on Kyle's personality that if the, the Niners decided to move on from him, it would be a sort of a, you know, him not feeling like, you know, everyone's on the same page or whatever. Cause it, you know, you watch him speak and, you know, he, he he's not the most patient man in the world and he's moving and he's got stuff going on and he's he's total 100 percent head coach mentality. And I think I could see a situation down the line where, you know, the upper management of Parag and Jed and those guys kind of 
take him for granted a little bit. And I could see where he would possibly want out at some point, but that point is not now because he is here to coach uh, a very talented team. And we'll get to the matchup with Pittsburgh in a second here. Uh, so while we were recording, <laughs> Joe Burrows just signed a contract. Five what? years, $275 million, 219 of it guaranteed. He's the highest paid Ooh. player in NFL history right now. So some bucks, man. The the you know the, the NFL, the new TV deal. They signed for eleven years. Like the money is coming. These players are are getting it. Not all the players are getting it, but the special special players are getting it. Uh, I guess we're not going to have to worry about free agency stuff, or not even free agency stuff, but uh, you know the next deal uh, until Brandon Ayuk. So if BA goes for. 90 catches and 1,300 yards. We may be doing this all over again next year, but we're good for a whole year. We don't got to worry about that. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about this roster this weekend uh, for the game. Uh, the Niners have – they do have a couple of little small injuries that, that – and I think the one that we were all worrying about the most – was this kicker situation. <laughs> Jake Moody had the quadricep injury, which I haven't heard anybody say this, but I kind of wonder if that's why he was struggling so much, uh, especially with the kickoffs too, because he's got a big leg mm-hmm. and those kickoffs weren't great. So I wonder if the quadricep actually caused, you know, or, or partially caused him to have such a, uh, su- such a bad couple of games there. But it looks like, He's going to be okay. I know Zane Gonzalez got put on the uh, the IR or I guess the four. The, what is the four four game four one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah, yeah whatever mm-hmm. that was with the uh, energy designation IR. Yeah, it was something like that. But it looks like I know they signed a, a kicker. Did they sign a kicker to the practice squad yeah. or something mm-hmm. crazy like that? So there is some worry there for Jake, but I think everyone's crossing their fingers that he's going to be ready and the one that i kind of like uh he did not uh he was limited in practice is it possible we see ray ray mcleod this weekend really i i i that i had not heard that i knew that um he was on the roster so he did not you know get any ir designation but i thought that was the case with um you know i was halfway around the world so i'm not sure that danny gray is on the roster too, is my understanding that they both um, were not designated um, injured reserve. So that is, that would be great news if Ray Ray could play. Have you heard anything about Kittle? Kittle practiced. Beautiful. So another, you know, sort of limited, but he was practicing. So I think crossing our fingers with, with Kittle there, the people who did not practice, uh, Hufanga did not practice today, but he was limited yesterday. And Chavari, uh, Charverius Ward also didn't practice today. He's got a heel injury. Uh, but I also saw something where they thought he would play. Um, so, you know, the, it looks like the injury piece. I, I know uh, our guy, Jose, I mean, John Feliciano, he, he was out because of illness. Um, Burks, Gibson, uh, Kittle, Mason, Ray Ray, Moody, and Nick were all limited in in participation for today. So it doesn't look like there's anything super uh, worrisome for Sunday, but you never know. Like these guys are going to get on an airplane and they're going to fly, you know, to, to Pittsburgh and you know, then 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 try and see if they're still okay. So I'm crossing my fingers that we we can get all the way to Sunday morning and everybody is good to go because man, it, it's going to be fun to see that full roster infect. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Oh, Kel- uh, Shelvin just said that uh, Zane was actually released with an injury settlement. Oh, okay, cool, good for him. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I guess I mean that is also you know because he was he was he's a, he's a relevant backup. He he's somebody who's probably he's a good kicker. Gonna, he's going to kick this year, mm-hmm. or or if not because of injury. But uh, yeah. all right, so 
predictions for this season. I think for us, uh, we have big hopes. You know, it's uh, again, it's kind of hard to be Super Bowl or bust. I think in this iteration of the NFL, unless you have Patrick Mahomes on your team, I, you know, Super Bowl or bust is kind of tough to to sort of think about because of the things that I said earlier. But if you know, play, it's at least playoffs or bust for us. Like the oh, Niners sure. have to be one of those seven teams in the NFC to make the playoffs. And then you sort of go from there. But what, what, if, if, if you were to throw, if I was to throw you an over under at 11 wins, what would you do there? 11 wins is a really good number. It's a really good number. Um, because that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm, I would, I would, I would go over, but I wouldn't feel good about it. I wouldn't feel good about it. I, I think, I think 11 is the number. So I would, if I was holding a, a over 11 ticket, I would anticipate that I would be white knuckling it um, in the, you know, in week 18, 17 and 18 as to whether or not I was going to cash. Um, again, I talk, you know, and I guess that's part of being a fan, you know, we don't seem to be as affected. We seem to be able to look at things pretty rationally. We've, um, you know, slow starts have been a thing yeah. for this team. So um, that's why this weekend I posted something somewhere saying that, you know, if I, I in, in the vein that you talking about Bill Simmons earlier, in the vein of <laughs> Bill Simmons, I would feel much better at plus four and a half teasing it by six a six and a half teaser on the 49ers and I would um, at minus two. Uh, I just, I, you know, early season, I've got still got concerns about, you know, I was, there was a fan that was chirping today about how we're just going to run the ball down the Pittsburgh Steelers throat. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, from the center over to the right tackle, I don't know how you could be that confident that we're going to be able to consistently run the ball um, our center is just kind of mad. If you look up inconsistent in the dictionary is a picture of Spencer Burford sitting right there. <laughs> and then that's the biggest question mark about um, McKibbitz is can he adequately, re- adequately replace um, McGlinchey in the run game? I mean, he's, he's a man mountain as a pass blocker. But um, it remains to be seen if he can be dominant in the run game. And um, I think, you know, especially our fan base, because the, the more and more you hear our fan base talk, I, I like question whether or not they even watch our games. But I'm <laughs> sure they don't watch anybody else's games. And I think they're going to be, I, you know, I think this, um, this Pittsburgh Steelers team is going to be a sneaky team all season long if you think they're just gonna they're gonna be um i don't think they're gonna be a pushover if you've watched what mike tomlin has been able to do over the course of his career his teams they don't beat themselves um so i expect them to be you know a very good football team and and that we're gonna have to go out there and beat and so i i just don't i don't see us going out there and just you know you know beating them by three scores or anything like that. I think it's going to be a hard, um, it's going to be a hard fought football game. Um, So if I, if you put a gun to my head and say, who do I have to pick? I'd probably pick the Niners, but um, it would not shock me if it's a game um, going, you know, you know, with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, all the pressure on the Niners, a little bit of pressure on Brock too, Mm -hmm. because of the, of the elbow thing of his the how he uh, ended the season last year with just playing really good football and you know now you got all these guys who are, are ready to go and to take on the mantle as this most talented team and and a lot of times you know there's a little bit of of high expectation that where you kind of have to you're you're going to see some you know maybe a little inconsistency uh and and that's you know even even the the, the last the last Super Bowl team for the 49ers 1994 you remember 
they were struggling and Steve Young got pulled out of a game because they were getting their butts kicked and he got so mad because it made it look like it was his fault. And, uh, and then they went on a run. So yeah, there, you know, there's going to be some, some of that. Uh, Shelvin said he would take the over. He, he thinks 12 wins is what it is. And I think if you do that, your reasoning is that you expect the Cardinals to be dog meat. And you probably expect the Rams to be average or less than average. And the Niners play the Rams well when they're good. So I think if you think that those are four wins right there, then you only got to get eight out of the the rest of the, uh, what would that be? The rest of the 13 games. You go eight and five and the rest of the 13 and and you're good. So I think that would be the, that would be the, the recipe for 12 wins right there. I, but the thing, the, only, the thing, my counter to that is I've, I've got high expectations for the AFC North and the NFC East is not a, um, they're not walkovers. So I, I just think that, but we don't, I don't, how does that, I don't even, I'm not looking at the schedule, but I know because it, it just occurred to me that, while we must not have all those teams because I know that the um the Bucks are in there somewhere, um so are we not playing? Is it not just the entire? Um, we're not playing every team in all in those. I'm not sure how that works. Schedule. So we go, we go, we go. Steelers week one, mm-hmm. Rams week two, mm-hmm. Giants week three. That's the first home game, and I think that's a Thursday nighter. Mm-hmm. Then Cardinals, then the mm-hmm. Cowboys, and you know everyone expects the Cowboys to be one of the top mm-hmm. five teams in the NFC. Then you got Cleveland, then you got Minnesota, Cincinnati, by Jacksonville, Tampa, Seattle, Eagles, Seahawks, Cardinals, Ravens, Commanders, Rams. Okay, okay, so we do get them all, but you still gotta. I guess I guess now that I'm doing the math, you do have to have other teams to get to 17. Okay, so yeah, that's um because the NFC North, the AFC North, and the NFC East. That's you know with eight games plus our. Just trying to do the math in my head. Okay, never mind. Let's not. I'm <laughs> I'm jet lagged, y'all. Forgive me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> forgive me. Try and, yeah. do, try and do math in real time for some yeah. reason is a little bit harder. Yeah, you, you get the uh, the the the, the uh, Cindy Brady looking at the camera, deer in headlights look. Yeah, especially when I'm not actually physically <laughs> looking at a schedule. So yeah, but yeah, so you, it all everybody seemed accounted for. So yeah, I I think that it's gonna be, I think it's gonna go right down the wire. So 11, 12 wins. It's you know, like I say, I think that if you if you were to play that over, Shelvin, I think you'll be. I don't think you're cashing by um, Thanksgiving. In that <laughs> one. So, um, which is when I when I when I play prop bets, that's my goal. I want to be out of that bet early as early as possible. Um, so I, I don't like those bets that where like I'm going down to week seventeen and eighteen trying to hope that um i get there so yeah um i think they're going to be a good football team and I, I, what I, my hope is that we're able to stave off the um the early season doldrums and that we can be just a more consistent football team from um from start to finish um but if i had to choose i i would prefer to be playing my best football in december and january as opposed to, you know, if I had to choose, you know, getting off to a hot start and then tapering off, I would prefer a team that even if they're going to gonna start, I prefer to start slow and get better as we go along as to have it happen the other way around where you start fast and then, you know, are stumbling kind of into the playoffs. So, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about, um, are there any have you I know you've been gone for a little while. Are mm-hmm. there any props that that you like 
around the Niners this year? Oh, yes. I love um, – let me pull them up real quick. Um, I love um, Christian McCaffrey, his – his um, the over on receptions. I love that one. Let me what see. Is, what is that number at? I'm pulling it up right now. There it is. Oh, price picks changed here. Logo, that's why I couldn't find it. Um, sign in. Pardon me, folks. We're doing this in real time. <laughs> Come on, internet. And yeah, so season. Yeah, I love receptions. McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, so his number um for receiving yards is over over five nine nine. So six hundred yards. I think he crushes that. I think that's I think that's one that um you can you can um take it to the bank. Take that one to the bank. Um another one I like is Debo and receptions. Let, yeah, receptions. There we go. Samuel. I'm I'm just looking at my tickets right now. It's his is receiving yards over six sixty-five. Um, I really like that one too. Um, yeah, those are two I really like. Um, Ayuk. His number was kind of high for me. What was it? I, um, let's see. Let's pull it up. Because he had uh, just over a thousand yards in receiving last year. His number is seven ninety nine. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I. You know, his he had like a hundred. He had one hundred and twenty one targets last year, and it. That number, his number dropped up. That was with Kittle missing like three games, Debo missing four games, and his numbers dropped precipitously, well, precipitously, by like two or three targets a game once Christian McCaffrey came in. And and also, he was like Jimmy's safety valve for the the beginning of the season too. Jimmy was targeting this dude like crazy. Yeah. And like I've said before, I just think that um, I've – had a lot of pushback from people about Christian McCaffrey having a hundred receptions. He's never had under a hundred targets and he's had as many as 140 targets in his career. And I just think that, you know, dump passes, screen passes, um, shovel passes, any of those passes around the, the, the um, line of scrimmage are going to be kind of layups for Brock um, to, just dump the ball off, you know, if all else fails, just get the ball to Christian and get some positive yards. So I, I just think he's going to get a lot of targets, more so than you know, I saw somebody said that they think that he could have 1,500 rushing yards. I don't think there's any way that he has enough attempts to um, approach that much. I could see him having a lot of receptions. Because sa- you- and it sounds like at least Shanahan and Lynch want us to believe that uh you know they're gonna try and make sure that he gets a decent amount of rest and is not overworked and i i don't don't know how that can work if elijah mitchell is your number two back because that dude is always injured Mm -hmm. and so it could mean that tdp or jordan mason you know get in a little bit more as well and or i don't know maybe maybe they're just hopeful that they can do that and it can't really do that because you know, McCaffrey was not very happy going off of the field last not year. Like, at like when he's all. when he's healthy, he wants to play. Yes. So that that and, it'll be interesting to see how they manage that situation. And my thought is that of the two, receiving mileage is a lot different than rushing mileage. You know, you take a lot less contact, you know, catching a screen pass than you do, you know, taking a ball five yards back and then having to get through the line of scrimmage, just, just contact wise. Um, there's just a different level 
to that. And I know in the Kyle Shanahan running game, there's a lot of misdirection and whatnot. And so it's not like you're doing a lot of like straight off tackle runs and, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust type stuff. But even still, um, I just don't see you want, wanting him to be a high volume back. And I think you've got guys who can, who can help, um, you can help redistribute the load in such a way that if if you when you're trying to salt away games and whatnot, um, hopefully you can use Elijah Mitchell, you can use TDP, you can use um, Jordan Mason, um, in addition to Christian McCaffrey to close out games. Um, so again, I, I just don't believe that he's going to 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 see a whole lot of. I'm not not saying that he won't see a whole lot of rushing attempts, but I just don't. It's hard for me to believe that he's going to be out in there just closing out games. You know, we're going to be running out the clock with Christian McCaffrey <laughs> off tackle left, off tackle right. I just, I think we've got backs who can do that. Um, who can who can take some? He'll be in there some, I'm sure. But you know, because I just know he wants to be out there. But I, I just again, I don't think that dude is going to be carrying the ball. Um, 25, 30 times a game. I just, I don't, I, I don't think they want that for him, really. Since Nick Bosa was hurt in 2020, he has had two years with sack totals of 15 and a half, and I believe it was 18, oh, 18 and a half last mm-hmm. year. If I said over under is uh, 15 for him, where would you look at that? I'd take the over. I would definitely, I, 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 I feel, and, and again, full disclosure, I'm more of an over player than an under player. I don't like to be sweating, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, sweating. Guy, I want to, I want to be on the side of a guy doing well and not like rooting against him to, um, to not do well. So yeah. I play more, I play way more. If the, the number has to be, something really tantalizing for me to play an under. Um, so I would definitely play the over cause that's, that's two sacks a game mm-hmm. plus a little. So I, I think that, um, wait a minute, that math doesn't work. Yeah, no, no, it's not. It's about, it's about a, game. yeah, about a sack about a game. Sack, back a sack a yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you got me doing math in real time. <laughs> that's, um, that's twice, but yeah, I think that I think he has a um I think Hargrave helps um because you know you've had to in the past just because of his physical stature um Armstead kind of you know commands a double team because it's it's hard to find anybody any interior player who can physically match up with him one on one um Hargrave, it's my understanding, I haven't watched a whole lot of Philadelphia Eagle football, but it's my understanding he's somebody who has consistently commanded double teams in his career. And it was funny, you know, as we were going along with the with the holdout, people started talking that nonsense about how Bosa disappeared in um, the playoffs the last two years. But if you look at how they blocked him, Teams are like running like zone blocking schemes <laughs> against Nick Bosa. There were times when they would have the guard and the tackle doubling, and then you'd have the back or the tight end chipping. So he's he is, you know, and my question about that is with him getting all this attention, where were all these other guys on our team stepping up and making plays? Because um, he had made a play. He made a play to give you a one-on-one opportunity mm-hmm. because they were, you know. So, yeah, I just think that it's going to be real interesting to see how teams go about trying to block us because we've seen it. You know, if anybody who's been out to training camp, like we didn't get to see it this season, but last season, Trent is like one of the best offensive linemen in the league. And, yeah. um, him trying to block him and him and Bosa one on one is like you know Godzilla and King Kong. <laughs> I mean, they're, it's it's really a battle royal, and I say that to say it's hard. You're hard pressed to find anybody around the league who can single block 
Nick Bosa consistently. So how teams decide to block him is going to be interesting. And with somebody who is as an accomplished a pass rusher as Hargrave is, which somebody made the point, and I believe it's true ever since I've been watching, I can't think of, we haven't had a consistent double-digit sack guy on the interior. I can't remember ever having anybody who um, you could pencil in for DY. Sack. But he, he was... He was kind of a combo player, so he yeah. would move inside, but he was he was more of an in than a tackle. But he did, you know, like you're right, as the season as he got older, he did kind of kick inside towards the end. But that would be it. And I mean, even at that point, you know, once he as he got older, he wasn't really he wasn't an explosive pass rusher. He was a big, he was a strong guy and could push the pocket. Um, but Hargrave is like a he's like a real athlete in there. He's a he's short, stocky guy. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how teams go about trying to, especially we didn't get to see it. I said like I say in camp, but Hargrave was playing the right or the the left inside tackle position. So it'll be him and Bosa lined up next to each other ostensibly. So how do you deal with that um, from an off um, offensive line standpoint? It's going to be really interesting to see. Um, and I think, you know, you do that and then you add um, Wilkes' blitzes into the mix. I think the 49ers, you know, we might be in for, I don't know what the number is for um, sacks in a season, but um, I think, it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, especially with the extra game now that we weren't knocking on the door or whatever the number is. I'll def- I'm definitely have to look that up and see what we're shooting at to to um, put ourselves in the record book this season. I think last year the Eagles had 70 and it was like by far like the most. Uh, I, but I don't a, know what the historical number is. That is a crazy number. You know, they, I, you're right. They had like four guys who were in double digits. Um, that's 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 crazy. Hopefully, we can get that kind of production outside of Hargrave and in Bosa. Um, you know, we lost a lost a lot of sacks with um, Ebukam and Aminihu leaving, and you know, in the preseason, we did not really see anybody step up. I know. Jackson seemed kind of nicked up. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully one or two of those guys can step up and um, take advantage of the single blocks that they should be getting. The record is actually not that surprising now that I think about it. 1984 Chicago okay. Bears. Yeah. They had 72 sacks in a 16-game yeah. season. That was crazy. That, that defense... You know, the Buddy Ryan, the 46 defense, that was, you know, at the time they were revolutionizing um, pass rush. And it was it was it was so simple. I, I I coached that defense for a long time and it was so simple that and it, it was counterintuitive from an offensive standpoint. The more dudes you put in to block, the more guys you made eligible to rush the way to counteract the 46 was to spread it out and make those guys um, defend outside. Because if you started bringing in tight ends and backs to block, all you were doing was making guys eligible to rush the passer because this guy is responsible for the back. And if he's in there blocking, he gets to come. So that, that was the last thing you wanted to do was like max protect because you just, you, you unleashed hell on your offense. So yeah, that it makes complete sense that they were um that they held the record 72. That's a lot. But um it'll be interesting to see if we can um because I, I just think I don't think we've seen um I don't think we've seen any really any of the you know the 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 exotic blitzes that um Wilkes is allegedly known for, and I, because all I know is the numbers. I honestly didn't really go back and watch um, much Cardinal or Carolina foot, 
football because why? Uh, <laughs> but you know, he had like a at, at points in time had like a 30% blitz rate, which you know, at our highest, I think um D'Amico Ryan's Gasala hardly blitzed blitzed at all. And then Ryan's had one season at like 15%, which was high for us. So 30 obviously is double. That's math I can do. It's double 15. <laughs> so um if we get if we're anywhere approaching um 30% blitzes with Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave, um, I think that you know 70 plus sacks might be um within reach. We we may have to do a sack watch. Yeah, I think show. so. Uh, okay, before we get out of here, and we will be back Sunday after the game. Um, wanted to just kind of tell the people, how do you watch football on Sunday? What is your routine? Do you have like a, you know, whether it's a, a morning game or an afternoon game, like, you know, if it's a morning game, you do X. If it's an afternoon game, you do X. Like, how do you watch the Niners? Um, so if it's a, Always every Sunday, I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna go play golf. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna have a six o'clock tea time. So, oh wow! So um, even if it's an early game, I'm gonna get my golf in. So by I'll be back home by nine thirty. Um, if it's a Niners early game, obviously that's the game I watch. And my method of watching the game is thus: I let the game start. And then I can watch it and fast forward through the commercials and I can rewind. You know, if I know we're going to be doing a show, if a big play happens, I try to rewind and watch mm-hmm. the key plays and be able to, you know, I do a little grading sheet of, you know, who made big plays because I want to be able for the purpose of our podcast to, um, you know, give players of the game and whatnot. So I'm, you know, I'm my my show responsibilities make it hard for me to like um, real time like Facebook and tweet about the game because I'm not watching in real time. I'm kind of going back and forth, and I'm you know with the commercials and whatnot in halftime, I'm able to get caught up. Yeah. And so by the time the end of the game is there, I'm good to go. If we play a late game, I still watch. I have my AFC teams, you know, and they all have 49er connections, <laughs> you know, well, I've always liked the Ravens for some reason. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Lamar fan um, or the Jets, which is kind of 49er East. And then the Dolphins, which are kind of 49er East. Those are my three teams. And if any of those teams are playing um, an early game, that's who I'll be watching. Um, if it happens that none of those teams are playing, then I'm a red zone guy. I'll just watch red zone and then kind of hop in and out. But I, there, even if the Niners aren't playing, I'm watching. And it's the same thing. If they play the early game, we'll do our show and then I'll go and I'll be watching either one of those three teams or I'll be on red zone and, um, just hop in and out of games. If it's something interesting has happened and then, I'm going to do the Sunday night game. So for me, Sundays is wall to wall football. I, you know, I, I, I just, I really enjoy the season and then the Monday night game, of course, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a wife at this point, so I don't really have <laughs> any responsibilities that would, you know, not have me watching football during the season. Right. How, how about you? How do you, go about um, what do your Sundays look like you know when I was a kid uh, all of us would watch the game and my mom would make breakfast and you know it's kind of like a big deal and then uh, as an adult um, I would go to my dad's house still you know every day or every Sunday to watch the game but then my parents moved to Arizona. They're near, they're near Shelvin. Actually, they're not exactly near Shelvin, but they're in Tucson. And so I don't, you know, I don't have that 
to go and watch with people anymore. So I mostly watch by myself. Now my wife will, will sit back and she'll watch a little bit with me. Uh, but it's kind of like a, a different experience to watch the games by myself. But because of this podcast, it's actually a little bit easier because then I can like mentally think of things that I want to talk about. I don't have to converse with people. I don't, you know, yeah, you're still on texts and stuff with, with mm-hmm. friends and stuff, but uh, and then, you know, in our Discord, we'll have thoughts with the people uh, and when I used to be on Facebook, on the Facebook page. So that is always fun. But, yeah, it used to be a much more, like, familial, communal experience for me. And now it's really, like, a isolated experience mm-hmm. for me. Unless, you know, there's there'll be some games where my kids will come over and we'll kind of do, like, a big thing with food and, and hanging out and stuff. But, you know, now that we got this podcast, I do watch the games with a little bit more of a like a studious eye to, to try and think of things like, Oh, why did that happen the way that it didn't, right. you know? So, but it, yeah. it's, it's different. You know, I also enjoy watching with people, you know, in a community. When I, when I lived in Vegas, I'd go down to the sports book and watch the game, which is a completely different. Yeah. Thing. You got all the games on and it's hard to really focus in on one game when you've got all this going on. It's like, is you know it was red zone before red zone kind yeah. of on steroids but you know like you say we're doing this show now it it would be hard to watch it with a group of people because i'm like really trying to <laughs> to to take it in and um have some something try to come up with something interesting to say to talk yeah. about when we're doing it so it, it kind of works out that i'm kind of watching by myself well, we will be back after the game on Sunday. Hopefully, the uh, 49ers come to play and, and play a good game. But uh, You mentioned Red Zone. I haven't had DirecTV in forever. Like I was just anti-DirecTV because it just got so expensive. And I, I moved over to Hulu Live, which is not actually cable. It's like a streaming mm-hmm. version of, of all these channels. But you can actually subscribe to Red Zone for i think you get a couple of other channels that i don't care about but i think it's like 10 bucks a month so oh, yeah, i will have the way red, worth it i would have the, i'll have the red zone channel kind of in the background on on saturdays when the niners are not playing which i haven't had i haven't watched red zone in years because i was just off direct tv so mm-hmm. that'll be fun and uh yeah then now the nfl's got that app where you i think it's like 15 bucks a month and you get the red zone channel as well. And you get a couple of other things just through that app. So they're, they're trying to, to do this a little bit more direct to consumer stuff with their product, which is kind of cool. But yeah, so we'll be back after the game. Hopefully folks will tune in with us and we'll discuss what happened on Sunday. Uh, You know, the, you're only going to have the, uh, you're only going to be one of the favorites, you know, as long as if you lose, you're not going to be a favorite very, very much longer. So the Niners got to come out swinging, man. If we want, if we want the national media to be talking about this team, they got to come out swinging though. Like you said, I, I would rather, I would rather be hot later in the season than be hot early and then fizzle out. But maybe I'm glad can... 97 is going to be out there on Sunday. That's all yeah. I know. I was, I, I was really, really, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, I was kind of not sure if he would, you know, if they would get it done. Um, but yeah, it's great that he did. And it sounds like, I don't know. I haven't heard. And Matt, I don't know if you've heard if, what they, if they, if they're going to have him on a pitch count or, or what, but um, the only thing that Shanahan said was that as long as he doesn't come to uh, the site, with a beer belly, he's playing. And he said, if you know Nick, he doesn't have a beer belly. <laughs> so that's all he said. He just said, he's playing. Yeah. And I mean, he's, cause he's played, um, I was doing, looking it up. Um, oh, he's played like 87%, 78, 77% of the snaps over the past two years. Uh, so he's played a lot. Um, and I don't know, without a training camp or preseason, which he probably wouldn't have played in the preseason anyway. It'll be interesting to see what his his um snap what it looks like in terms yeah. of going out there and playing. Um because I was, they were talking to somebody and they were talking about well he, you know making all that money he should play 
all the snaps. I mean, <laughs> bruh. <laughs> he's out there sprinting. And, you know, he's in one of those positions where it's all all out sprint all yeah. the time. So, no, you don't play 100% <laughs> of the snaps at that position. I don't care how much money you're making. But it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully, they can – because the, the concern when you don't have a camp, I think you had posted something about – um lynch was talking about those callous reps yeah and you yeah. don't want what you don't want is him to get some kind of strain um and then you know strain the hamstring or a quad or a groin and then you know be dealing with that all the rest of the season so that's the thing that will just nag him for the, yeah, for the season so absolutely so you know we should be able to <clears throat> excuse me ease him back in but as we saw, you know, without him out, it looks really different without him yeah. out there. So, yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. All right. We'll be back season again. This is uh, this will be season two of our post-game shows, and uh, we'll be live here on YouTube after the games. And then the podcast, the audio will be in the BSPN feed for, uh, for, for the audio side of things. So uh, for Rod... I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.